Welcome to the WFNY CornerCast, a podcast that takes an in-depth look at the Cleveland Guardians baseball team and farm system. Presented to you by the WaitingForNextYear.com network of podcasts. Here are Gerbs, Mitch, and Ethan. Hello and welcome to the WFNY CornerCast, brought to you by the Evergreen Podcast Network and part of the Waiting for Next Year community. You'll be hearing this on October the 10th. Uh, I am your host, Joe Gerbs Gerberry, joined by both, we got a full house, Farmer Ethan and Dr. Mitch. We are coming at you with a uh, very special episode, uh, not like a, one of those drug ones, on like 90 sitcoms, but this is just a very special episode because the uh, the Guardians won the wild card round and are headed to New York. So, uh, actually, guys, how are you? I, have, I have some bad news for you. This is one of those special episodes. This is an intervention. Oh, oh yeah. no, no, we're we have to talk about the uh, nicknames. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was like. Do I have to make up like a, a drug addiction right now? What is Mitch bringing up? <laughs> no, no, I got you. Sorry, you that was good though. You did really get me. If we had been live, <laughs> like Ethan had been promising, then we uh, you would have seen genuine fear in my face, everybody. But I do um, Mitch for forgetting the How I Met Your Mother intervention banner. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I meant to pick that up at FedEx Kinkos, and I totally <laughs> dropped the ball. My bad. Uh. No more nicknames. No more nicknames. We, we need to have an intervention. <laughs> I'm uh, just kidding. We love no, them. I know, no, I know, I know, I know. Uh, you, you're saying that because you have to. Um, uh, anyway, we have uh, we the, the Guardians have won the the divisional the wildcard round. They're headed to the ALDS to play the New York Yankees. Uh, the series will start on Tuesday. Uh, games will be Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday of the necessary ones. Saturday will be in Cleveland, and then Sunday and Monday if needed. Um, you guys, how are you feeling about this win? We got a we have we have a team that won a playoff round for the first time in I forget how that uh, recently. Uh, it has thing, been right? it has been since they were up two nothing in the ALDS on the Yankees that they are about to face in 2017. Gotcha. And it feels like that last core was cursed ever since 3-1. Yeah. So leave it to the fearless rookies, the kids who don't know what they don't know, to snap the playoff losing streak and then, oh yeah, just win the series. I, I'm absolutely ecstatic. I've been buzzing for hours now and I don't show any signs of coming down. We'll see if I ever even recover before Tuesday's game in New York. Right. I think like I've been trying to tell myself that these playoffs are, you know, found money and everything good that happens is something that I wasn't expecting. And anything bad that happens, it's already way better than we ever possibly right. could have imagined. Right. Uh, but when you're watching the games, it doesn't really feel that way. You can't tell your heart not to, you know, put everything you have, every bit of emotion you have into this team. Uh, so we were we were handsomely rewarded in this first round, and it feels really nice. Absolutely, yeah. I I'm with you, Mitch. I, I there was a point on Friday where I like text my wife, be like, I am nervous right now. <laughs> like just random nerves would hit and be like, this is I I was not expecting it to hit as much as it did. You know, just I I think I just I just don't want the season to end as weird as, uh, as that sounds. And there is definitely part of it that is uh, this Brown season seems to be going off the rails. Um, and so I don't want my, uh, the guardians to, to fall apart on me, but um, yeah, it is, it's, it's just feels like a very special season and I don't want it to end. So I, I holding with every uh, fiber that I can onto this, uh, the series when I, um, I had some friends that were texting me and, Last uh, yesterday during the game, and I'm like, I know that if I turn this game off and do anything, that it will it will end and it will end badly. And uh, it took me going to go help my uh, my girls get dressed after a bath, and uh, I saw on my on my watch that there was I had it up on my computer, but I was in a different room, and uh, I had I saw a text come through my watch. Finally, and I like look up and my I see Guardians win as Oscars rounding first. So I'm like. 
oh no, oh yeah. So it was it was a wave of emotions. So yeah, no doubt. I mean, I um I drove seven hours from Albany, New York, into Cleveland on Friday uh, after the game one win to to attend game two, and you know. I drove again, like made a 14 hour round trip to watch a baseball game. Right. And by the end of that baseball game, I was like, God, will this end? Like I committed an entire weekend to go to this thing and I just could not wait for it to be over. Um, but how sweet it was to finally see that. I mean, I was sitting um, like on the in between home plate and first base, but pretty close to home plate. And the ball kind of went in the same direction that I was looking. So it could have been a, a you know, a routine fly ball and it could have been a, a mammoth home run. Wasn't sure off the bat, but then I saw Oscar Gonzalez just walking and watching it. And I was like, right. Oh gosh, this is just, it was hard to believe. Like my hands were on my head. Um, you know, jaw dropped to the floor. It was, it was, it was something else. It was uh, certainly the most memorable baseball game I've ever been to. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I don't also, really I caught a foul ball. Nice. You yeah. didn't tell us that. Yeah. 14th inning uh, off of you know, Corey Kluber pitched it and uh, Ahmed Rosario hit it off the facing behind home plate and it bounced right next to me. And I, uh, I snagged it a half second before, you know, a few other people came running for it. Fair I've been to hundreds of games. First first foul ball I've ever gotten. How old was the woman that you knocked over to get it? 102. It was Sister okay. Jean. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. She deserves it for what she did to Javier Baez. I was going to say, <laughs> she, 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 she whipped all, Javier around, so that, that he had, she's, she's tough. Yeah, not to mention my boy Io Desunmu and the rest of the U of I team. But this is not a uh, an NCAA Big Ten podcast, so I won't get into that. But Either no, I mean that was that was that was really incredible. I've I've been I've had the ball on my person for like the last forty eight hours. This is like the first time I don't have it, just because it just, feels so special. Just holding it, just like yeah. I, brushing Smelling your teeth, it. brushing your teeth with the ball. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, it it feels really good. I mean. Yeah, I, I said it a, a second ago, but, you know, if, if the Guardians don't beat the Yankees, it's hard to be too upset. I mean, we've made it so far. This is this is amazing. What a, what a ride. Right, for sure. Ethan, any uh, more thoughts about the game yesterday before we get into a recap of the series? Very, very fortunate that they wrapped it up in two and have some time to rest and recover before heading to sure. New York on Tuesday. I mean, you used everybody except Kirk McCarty and Zach Plazak and your potential game one starter, Cal Quantrill, out of the bullpen. So when you have the bullpen going nine innings in a 15-inning game, very, very thankful that you put a bow on the series and get some time to recover. Right. The I was thinking about that. We mentioned it in our Discord that, like uh... – by luck or virtue or whatever, the only people that really would have been eliminated from pitching on Sunday would have probably been class A and henches just by volume. You know, I mean, like obviously McCarty and Plezak would be called on, you know, maybe more than anybody, but uh, luckily everybody pitched just an inning and Bieber went so long on Friday night or Friday afternoon rather that, um, you know, nobody, Nobody pitched but Classe Friday, and then when Classe pitched on Saturday, he was he was going to be, you know, kind of burnt out um, from throwing thirty pitches in two days. Uh, so that was going to be that would have been nice, but yeah, I, I I agree with you, Ethan. I very much enjoy that they have a couple days to rest and get everybody back up and be you know as close to uh, full power in the bullpen as <laughs> uh, as you could be. So. Not to mention the kids have to shake off their second ever hangover. Right. Yes, they've never touched alcohol before. Never. This was it. This was the first time. I'm not I'm not convinced Oscar Gonzalez is his age. Uh he seems way younger. There's <laughs> no is, way he's twenty three. He, he plays the SpongeBob theme for God's sakes. He showed up with the benchwarmer style IM twelve with a twenty wrapped in it as he handed it to Guardian staff and he's been here ever since. He's my dad uh, has not watched as much uh, as as uh, years have gone on, and so he uh, 
he texted me and I like posted on Facebook and stuff like that. He he like commented. I said like SpongeBob did it, and he's like, please tell me the our latest hero does not have the SpongeBob theme as his walk up. I was like, oh yes, he very much does. <laughs> so yeah, it's just nice that people are starting to come around and you know realize some of these things. I guess so. Well, it's kind of cool. He's like, you know, he's kind of like a folk hero now. I mean, he was at the Browns game today and they showed highlights and they showed his highlight on the, on the screen and everyone's very excited about it. I mean, it's just kind of fun to have this rookie come up. You know, no one really knows who he is to start the season other than us freaks. And, um, you know, now he's a household name and a hero to everyone who you know, has ever rooted for a Cleveland sports team. So that's pretty wonderful. That's that's what all sports is all about, right? You know, it's about right. it's about watching people try their best and getting emotionally invested and then being happy when they do it. And uh, it's hard to be happier for anyone than than we are for Oscar Gonzalez right now. Right. Not to um, mention the internet collectively finding out that his walk-up theme is the SpongeBob theme as the Guardians got their first taste of a nationally telecast game this year in the playoffs go figure but yeah watching people slowly realize that he was walking up to the spongebob song and hearing twenty-eight thousand and thirty-four thousand sing along to it was absolutely incredible yeah for sure yeah also rj anderson had a um an interesting post it was like um you know seven possible under you know or like you know, secret heroes of the playoffs or potential like low key heroes of the playoffs. And Oscar Gonzalez was on there. He wrote this a few days before uh, Gonzalez hit his homer. Um, and one of the things he said was he was excited for people to learn how fast Oscar Gonzalez is. And that is so true. Like Oscar Gonzalez is actually like one of the best athletes on the team. He's not just super strong, but he is also like, like significantly faster he's probably faster than Stephen Kwan he's certainly faster than Jose Ramirez if you look here he's got an 89th percentile I was say his sprint speed was like in the 90s at some point this year like he's 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 really fast for as big as he is yeah as big and strong and he's also got a 99th percentile arm strength I mean you know this is a guy who I'm just so happy for him because hopefully he's patrolling right field for a long time. Right. Yeah. We were mentioning in the discord just uh, on our uh, public side, they, some people were coming out, coming to the, the realization of, you know, the hearing the legend of Oscar now at this point, almost. And uh, just how lucky the, the guardians are that he's actually still with the team that he was, released in november and then uh of 2021 and then signed back with the team as a free agent you know easily could have been lost in the rule five drafts that happened or would have happened but he was able to stay around and and played his way to played his way to getting on the major league roster and then once he was here just kept playing well and and, you know we've talked all year about waiting for the other shoe to drop and you know, I even wrote that there's there is a path to this being real, and this is a path to you know him being a legitimate piece for the future. So it's it's just great to see, and you know we want to champion and cheer for for the guys that are actually putting in the development work and, and actually getting the wins. So um, yeah, Oscar, no Oscar deserves it just as much as anybody right now. Yeah, no doubt. And, you know, it's it's kind of interesting. Um, you know, I feel like the way they've been treating prospects, it's like they call up the guy. The It almost seems like the less they really believe in a guy, the quicker they are to call him up. You know, they're they're, you know, George yeah. Valera probably could help the team more than Will Brennan, but they're not going to call him up because they care about the long term development and they're not going to rush him and they're going to whatever. So it seems like the more they care about someone, the more cautious they are, the less they care about someone, the less they think they're going to be a part of the future, the less cautious they are. And, you know, with Oscar Gonzalez, they just like threw him up. They're like, Hey, let's see what we got here. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. And, you know, that's what they did with like Alex call. And that's what they've done with, you know, a bunch of guys, uh, Will Brennan and Bradley. Yeah. Was that? I said Bobby Bradley. Yeah, they they they'll call up a guy and just like throw him out there, and if it works out, great, and if not, like 
no hard feelings. And it kind of seems like that's what Oscar Gonzalez was. I'm not sure that they were like, oh, here we go. Here's our future right fielder. But, uh, you know, that's kind of what it seems like. So that's pretty exciting. Yeah. For sure. That's all I have to say about Oscar yeah. Gonzalez. I guess I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, ready to move on to our, our recap of the series. So, uh, as it was, the the it was set to be a uh, best of three series in the wild card round. So the Guardians only needed to win two, and they swept. Um, it took twenty four innings to do, so it was almost three full games worth of uh, of, of play time. But um, you know, it was uh, it was nice to be able to get the win. Uh, there was dominant pitching on both sides. Uh, Guardians pitching in the series in the two games, 0.38 ERA. Uh, the only run that was scored by the Rays was a home run by, I don't know his first name. I know his last name is Siri because. Jose uh, Siri. Jose Siri. Thank you. Uh, the, he yeah. had the, uh, the lone home Curves, run. Off don't you, in that first game, it was pitching, you know, only, only Shane's pitched and only Jose's hit home runs off of them. Or only Shane started the game. I did know that only Shane's. I did not know that it was only Jose's. That's, uh, that's only cool. Jose's. Pretty wonderful. Interesting. That's yeah. fun. But, uh, but yeah, um, Bieber was really great in that in that game on Friday, um, despite giving up the the only run of the series. I say despite because you know he's the one that did the run, but it was only one. Uh, seven and a half or seven and two thirds innings pitched, three hits given up. One earned run, eight Ks on the day. Um, Bieber just looked electric. So um, he, he looked uh, the 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 secondary stuff was working for him. Um, the I, I was I think it's funny with Bieber that the secondary stuff is now the majority. There's no one pitch that has taken over. It's still the fastball is his most used pitch, but he just uses it at a lesser amount than his secondary stuff. Um, it just feels backwards. But um, what do you guys think of Bieber um, on Friday night? He was absolutely insane. And uh, I think it was the the cherry on top of his reinvention on the fly that he's been undergoing this Clayton Kershaw-esque transformation as he's been recovering from the shoulder injury. And I think even after the game, they asked him how he felt, and he said he was still getting there. So the fact that Bieber still thinks he has more to get back Ooh. is a scary thought for the rest of baseball because you really don't want to run into that. But he's been so, so good with that slider-cutter combo, even while the four-seam fastballs had the, the dip in velocity. and He hasn't been able to elevate as much as he would like, but he's so elite at getting swings and misses. He had 14 whiffs in that game, and... Man, I I read way too many doomers across my various social media platforms, as you do, who were just bemoaning past playoff performances. Oh yeah, and it it doesn't it doesn't matter. It doesn't mean anything because any given October, a guy can step out and and do this. Shane Bieber's last starts against the Yankees in the playoffs don't matter. Jose Ramirez's track record outside of 2016 does not matter. There's a guy playing for the freaking Padres right now, Trent Grisham, who handed the Washington Nationals a free trip to a World Series, and he's now single-handedly knocking the New York Mets out of the playoffs. Like, anything can happen. And Bieber was every bit as dominant as he was down the stretch in the regular season, and then some in a playoff start against a very quality Tampa Bay team. I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of Warriors in Their Own Words, a podcast that presents the unvarnished, unsanitized truth of what we have asked of those who defend this nation. As a country, we need these stories more than ever. Stories from Americans who have borne the battle, including 30-year-old remastered interviews with veterans from World War I recounting their time in the trenches of Europe, and with veterans from World War II, Korea, Vietnam, and from our most recent conflicts in Iraq, Afghanistan, and other battlefields Americans may never have heard of. Hear their stories by listening to Warriors in Their Own Words wherever you find podcasts. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like what you were saying, Gerbs, the, the cutter-slider combo is really, really interesting. I mean, he threw 24 cutters and three sliders. 
between the two of them, he got in swings and, and 17 lifts on those 27 swings. So pretty impressive. I mean, yeah, I'm, it's like the fastball is there for called strikes. And, um, you know, when guys choose to swing at it, they can mostly make contact, foul it off, or put it in play or whatever. But the fact is, is they're so afraid of the cutter and the slider that they often will end up watching good fastballs pass right by them. Um, yeah, he really just, you know, that was, you know, that was just an exemplary example of like the art of pitching because he doesn't have the overwhelming stuff anymore. You know, it, actually it never really was overwhelming. It's just less overwhelming. It's, it's more whelming than it, than it once was. Um, but just, no, he, he's still uh, whelmed. He whelmed. You, you, certainly you never, whelmed. you're never under or over her. You're, you're always just, you're just whelmed. No, the stuff is whelming, but the location and the execution of his pitches is so strong. Uh, I mean, that's, again, this is, this is, you know, there's this, you know, kind of, I don't know, this kind of idea of like throwing versus pitching or whatever. And, you know, I kind of think it's a little reductive, but Bieber is the consummate pitcher. You know, everything has a reason. Everything has a purpose. Everything is in a perfect spot for, for the right reason. And, and uh, you know, he really shut them down other than Jose Siri, who hit two very long fly balls, one of which was uncatchable. Um, but that's a small, small, uh, you know, that's a that's a that's a small blemish on, on an outstanding performance. Yeah, I thought. I, th- I did think it was funny that people were calling for them to get uh, Paul Bieber before he pitched a Siri again, just because he, it's like, uh, sure, like he's going to do it a third time. But I mean, you know, he, if he, he was seeing the seeing the ball off of him well, and some guys just are good against good pitchers, it also was more than likely a little bit random. Who knows? Uh, you know, but uh, but yeah, and then Klaus had to come in and for a four out save that was that was really clutch and as i had mentioned before save the bullpen just you know to only use those two pitchers and even then class a only threw 11 pitches and was available the next day it was the only day that the only time i think the whole year um that he had pitched more than three outs so um to be able to do that you know it's the playoffs so it's it's kind of what's going to happen now you're going to start seeing you know talk of short rest you're going to see talk of guys being used for for longer outings in the in the bullpen and and more days in a row, um, so Classe is doing was able to do that, but just be able to use Bieber for you know seven and two thirds, and then Classe to finish out um, was really great. So I'm excited about uh, those. Ethan, did you have anything on uh, on Bieber? Anything else on Bieber? Just to touch on what Mitch said, the the throwing versus pitching side of things. I I think. Cleveland is very blessed and it's underrated that Jose Ramirez might be the smartest guy in baseball when it comes to baseball IQ. And Shane Bieber might be like top five in baseball and pitching IQ. I know Zach Granke is probably cream of the crop. I've heard that man talk about pitching and it is some of the most enlightening things I've ever heard, but he's just such a weirdo that it balances itself out for the average person. But Bieber has just an incredible understanding of the game and how to make his stuff work for him. And it's an elite combination of command and pitch tunneling where everything looks the same coming out of his hand and guys are guessing after it leaves his hand, which you already only have two seconds to react. Bieber leaves you with one. And that's what makes him so deadly. Yeah. I love, I love the pitch tunneling uh, gifts from pitching ninja. The, like the red circle of death ones. Like that's just, that's those are my favorite thing. Some of the, my favorite things on the internet. So, looking at Bieber's pitch release charts on Baseball Savant after games, it, it's just I feel like Tom Haverford. The I've been looking at this for hours now, and it's beautiful. <laughs> it's a good reference. It's a good. Thank one. you. Welcome. Not that you don't have good ones. I just want to make sure I called out the ones that you did that were good. So, um, all right. So moving on to Saturday's game. The one that uh, Mitch was at. Uh, Tristan McKenzie pitched uh, almost as good. feel like, you know, you can make the argument that was equally as good. Uh, went six innings, two hits, two walks, eight Ks on the day. Um, there was a – how long did they go 
it was him and it was him and Miles Straw were the only ones that recorded outs. Was it in into the seventh inning? We were keeping it, track. It was the first thirteen outs of the game. We almost made it past the halfway point. Were either recorded by a Miles Straw put out or a Tristan McKenzie strikeout. Yeah, that's just it. This is a weird thing that what happens when you watch baseball. Like it's just. I mean, it was great to see that there was just, you know, any contact that was made was, you know, lined up the middle, but it was right at Miles Straw or well, in, uh, it was in spots where Miles Straw was fast enough to get there. Uh, there was oh, you mean I, anywhere inside the ballpark? <laughs> there was one or two. There was one screamer to left that like Miles caught up to it. And I was like, that was going to hit for, that was going to get down. And it did not. So. But um, yeah, Tristan was Tristan. Uh, there was talk before the game that the Rays are a good curveball hitting team, and the curveball is Tristan's best pitch. And he did feature it at times, but he definitely went more to the slider and the uh, the four seamer. Um, and, and he he mixed and matched so well. He's um, and this is anecdotal. I don't have the numbers on this. He always seems to uh, get more whiffs as the game goes on, um, and get more K's as the uh, later on in the innings. Um, I don't know. Again, I, I I haven't checked it out. I think I feel like I've even mentioned that before here, um, but it seemed that, that way in the in the game as well that there was just some you know some hard hit balls early on. I, I was keeping track in my head that there was like no swing he didn't have any whiffs in like the first almost like two innings he was getting strikeouts but he just wasn't getting any whiffs um everything was either fouled off or um called strike um so and i guess it's anecdotal i can't i don't have the numbers to prove it but um mckenzie was was great and then the uh the bullpen ethan we've all mentioned it nine innings um, what were the numbers for the bullpen, Ethan? I did not have them written out on the sheet, and I should have. Nine innings, basically a complete game out of the bullpen. Four hits, three walks, and a dozen strikeouts. They were absolutely electric, and it was capped off by three innings and six days from Sam Hentges in the biggest game of his young life. Yeah. Talking about featuring the curveball, Sam Hentges threw more curveballs than fastballs in his three innings. Got 11 swings on the curveball and seven of them more whiffs. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> he was absolutely incredible. I mean, it was kind of concerning when he came back out for the uh, the third the third inning. Yes. He was giving up some hard contact on the fastballs. It was almost like, you know, we kind of have this joke in my in one of my uh, group texts for the Guardians where it's like Sam Hentges. Sometimes it's like he gets bored with uh, no one on. <laughs> Like it's too easy for him. He needs to like hit a batter or give up a single on a on a fastball right down the middle, so he can at least have a little fun. Uh, but that's kind of what it felt like. He was just like, eh, you know, these Rays they can't score, they can't hit. Like let's 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 have some fun here. Uh, let's 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 let a single reach base so we can then strike out strike out the side or strike out two batters in this inning. Um, you're saying he was you're saying Big Sam Hedges was rope doping the Rays. Well, I don't know if it was on purpose. I think this is subconscious. <laughs> I think he, I think he just gets bored. I think he's just like, this is too easy for me. It um, was, yeah. It, Sam, Sam had the full uh, shades of Andrew Miller, which we keep trying to not invoke uh, and put uh, that weight on his shoulders. But um, that was as Andrew Miller performance as as there could be. He did yeah. use the curveball more than the slider. But um, I mean that just to to come in in a big time spot and pitch as well as he did, that was uh, that was some Andrew Miller stuff. So. It's becoming less unfair to compare him to Andrew Miller. That's yes, for sure. he's he's earning it more than we are like thrusting it upon him. Right, so. just because he's he's a tall left-handed pitcher. Right, but uh, now he's a tall left-handed pitcher who dominates in the bullpen in in playoff games. So that's a uh, that's a big step in the Andrew Miller direction. Right. Right. Yeah. No, but I thought Tristan looked pretty shaky to start the game. I thought he. I and I that's where I was at. That's kind of what I was saying. Like he, there were no whiffs. Um, and like I said, it was almost I think two innings where he didn't get a whiff at all. 
So yeah. you could tell the, go ahead. You, you could tell the Rays game plan was to sit back and wait on that curveball early. That they thought this is his best pitch. We're a curveball hitting team. He's gonna come right at us with his best stuff. And then he went eleven fastballs in the first inning, got three outs out of it, but you know, every swing put a ball in play. So I see where you're coming from, and he did get into some trouble in the second or third. I think he had like a 10-pitch at-bat back-to-back to Choi and... It was uh, Paredes. Isak yeah, Paredes. Isak Paredes. And, but right after that, I mean, he, he got... I know he walked Choi, but he struck out Isak, and that seemed to be where he really settled in. But he was absolutely fantastic, and we were talking about it in the, the Discord during our game thread gerbs, you know. <laughs> sometime between the first and second inning, somebody was asking why Tristan hadn't featured the curveball yet and that the Rays were the curveball hitting team. And we discussed with them that like, if, if Tristan's going to dominate in this game, it's going to come down to the slider. It's not going to be the fastball. Right. It's not going to be the curveball. He's got to get that more horizontal movement to get some swings out of the zone, especially against all these right-handed hitters. And then that's going to open up the high heater and that's going to open up the curveball. And then it was the second inning. I think I called it one pitch ahead of time. I said, here comes a slider. Yeah. He threw he was, a slider. You remember he was like just throwing White Castles up there. Yep. He threw a slider. He got the outside corner for a strike. And then the very next pitch was a high fastball and somebody chased it for the first time the entire game. Yeah. And then that, that moment just opened up his repertoire and it was like the dam breaking on the race. They had nothing for him once that slider started working. Yeah, once he got to, it was the second inning that he struggled uh, with Paredes, where he had the 10 pitch at, at bat. And, you know, I, I remember making mention in, in uh, the game thread as well as other places that, you know, um, this is not that you, you didn't want him to be at, you know, 30, almost 40 pitches after two. And then um, I think it was the third or fourth inning. He struck out the side, and it was, and I and I made mention like all of a sudden pitch counts don't matter. Like it, we feel a lot better about it after this. Yeah, and, he struck uh, out six straight to get the third and the fourth. Yeah, it was it was a show. It was what he was. He was it. He rose rose to the occasion uh, because they rise every day. The and, uh, every day. Yeah, and. Um, yeah, they he was he was as good as as advertised and uh was excited to see that. So um all right, uh, let's go to the offense real quick and then we'll um move on to uh a little bit of a preview as much as we can do a preview. Um the Guardians were the uh second lowest team uh in home run count on the season. Uh, only the Tigers had fewer home runs, yet all three of their runs were scored by home runs uh, off of uh, or by Ho- by Jose Ramirez and Oscar Gonzalez. Um, my question to you guys, and I know I'm saying this, and I'm being hot, takey, clickbaity, whatever you want to say. It's in the middle of a podcast, and so nobody's really listening to this portion. Uh, you know, that's no, this isn't getting it. So, but um, the lack of runs in the series, whether it be by the Rays or the Guardians, was it an element of great pitching by both teams, or was it a uh, instance of bad offense? I'm going to say it's it's 80-20, but it was just elite pitching all the way around on, on both sides by both teams. The only real threats in the series, the Rays had first and third with two outs at one point, and then the Guardians had the bases loaded with nobody out. It was such a rough inning. Those were the only real threats in the entire series. I, I mean, there were only there were only like 18 hits combined between both teams, and all but three of them were singles. There were no extra base hits that stayed in the yard. So... That, to me, screams really good pitching. And then the 20% comes down to the Rays couldn't get anything across when they had a guy at third base and the Guardians' situational hitting, which has been so, so, so good all year, failed them in the one spot they had pressure against the Rays in game two. So 
you could have capitalized there. You could have stopped that game from going 15 innings. But uh, other than that, I mean, and, and, and let's not overlook the fact that Mr. Pete Fairbanks and your made-up injury that you got pulled after two batters walking them both. Not really happy about that one. But Mitch, how, Mitch, how cold was it? Uh, first off, I want to say the allegations of made-up injury are the ideas of Ethan Forness and in no way reflect the ideas of waitingfornextyear.com. Uh, <laughs> no, you cannot speak to the validity of whether or not his finger was numb or if he was simply uh, just cold. I was kind of joking, like it would have been really funny if we had like some sort of like sadist umpire behind home plate, and he had like he pulled out like a pin out of his pocket and was like, "Oh yeah, your fingers numb? Do you feel this? Do you feel this? Huh? How about that? No, I Do mean, you have a reaction. Are you doing a little twitchy thing, or is a little hammer with the little like uh, the tester knee jerk reflex?" actually don't know how to do a, a finger reflex. I'm not sure such a thing exists. I don't know. I saw it on Star Wars once. They did it to Luke's thing? hand in the in the uh, when he got the animatronic hand. Oh yeah, oh, they, they pricked his little fingers, and made his, his fingers. Ah. Oh yeah, good point. We should have done that. We should have yeah. done that. I um, you know, it was very cold. Like I don't think I think it was pretty clear that actually, like despite the fact that it went fourteen and a half scoreless innings plus one scoreless pitch. Uh, I think it was pretty clear that like the pitchers were affected and had to adjust. Um, like most guys' velos were down. Tristan's velo is down. Like obviously Fairbanks in a very high-profile case, his velo is down. But you know, across the board, no one was throwing as hard as they could, and it, it certainly was clear that the cold was affecting people. It was. It wasn't like opening day Cleveland cold though. It was like fifteen degrees warmer than that. So. Uh, I don't know, like, is it possible that, um, you know, a guy wasn't feeling it and the cold was really affecting him and he said, oh, I can't feel my fingers and, you know, maybe he was exaggerating the injury a little bit. I think it's pretty possible, like, who's going to prove otherwise that he wasn't? But it's just one of those things where it's like you can't expect anyone to call someone's bluff on injury because for sure player safety is so important. Now, if this keeps happening, if the Rays continue to claim injury when guys uh, aren't pitching well after a couple of batters faced, maybe now we can start saying, all right, this is the boy who's crying wolf. Um, Yeah. I don't know. Well, good news. We won't know that that will happen until next year. Right, I was kind of like low key. I was like, if the if the Guardians lose this game, I the Rays better put Fairbanks on the IL. Like they better. Right. They, oh yeah. They, they can't just say, "Well, he's better now." Like you better. Yeah, that that's the one thing that's going against me is that I can't be like, "Well, now I'll never know." Like they they have no reason to to put him on the shelf. Their season's done. They have no roster moves to make until December. But right, like, it definitely irked me. Did not feel right. No, it, it was frustrating. At the time, I was very much like, oh, this feels like they're faking. Like, if there were ever a time to do that. This the trainer crazy. came out of the dugout so quick after that second walk. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, I mean, I guess technically, like, if your fingers are really cold, then they can, you know, maybe technically you can't feel the difference from, like, nerve damage and numbness from being cold. So, like theoretically maybe it's in good faith but who knows anyhow we digress i took that on a completely different tangent it was 80 20 dominant pitching versus terrible offense yeah like i said i i asked to be a little hot takey um obviously the guardians have a fairly decent offense um i forget where they landed on the uh wrc plus scale for the league but it was a uh a pretty good one so um but yeah it just happens that you know that's the we we've talked about it that when when this team is going it's going to be big and when this team is not going it's going to be rough and you know sometimes you just run into good pitching i will make the only argument i will make against mitch about pitchers not pitching their fastest uh tell this to glass tyler glasnow who was throwing 97 uh, you know, straight out right after Tommy John, but you know, it's uh, it's all good. 
I mean, different guys have different reactions to Tommy John and Glasnow, I think, threw harder than 97 in previous outings. So, I don't know. Yeah. I'm still I'm still not convinced. But uh, Rancona's quote about that was absolutely golden. They got to him between innings. Uh, might have been between the third and fourth that Glasnow was out there battling, and they asked him what he thought of him. And Francona said, you're going to have guys lining up to get Tommy John surgery. Are you kidding me? Right. <laughs> and I was – I heard that one on the broadcast and I about fell out of my couch. I was like, he's, he's got a point. What guy does this has four innings under his belt entering a playoff game. And I know the Rays had him on five or six innings or 75 pitches. And they pulled him after five. He he probably could have kept going. I think he was only at 60 some pitches, but you know, you've got to break out all you can when your back's against the wall and do whatever it takes to win. And the Rays did that, but. Right. Yeah, Glasnow seemed relatively unaffected. He was mowing Guardians hitters down. Yeah, but uh, you know what? They lost. So let's talk about the uh, the next series. So as I said, the ALDS against New York will start on Tuesday in the Bronx. Uh, Tuesday they will play Thursday, which uh, is my birthday. Uh, so let's hope for a win. Uh, they'll also be in New York Saturday and Sunday. They come back to Cleveland. Um, again, Saturday is the only game that is guaranteed in that one. Sunday and Monday. Uh, Monday will be back in New York, but uh, Sunday and Monday are as needed. Um, right now, uh, with the Yankees having a bye uh, in the wild card round, they are all lined up um, to have Garrett Cole, Nestor Cortez, and uh, Luis Severino to pitch uh, games one, two, and three, respectively. Uh, as of right now at 9.54 on Sunday night, we do not know what the Guardians' uh, starting rotation is going to look like or and or roster. Um, we do know that they are more than likely going to be without Nick Sandlin um, for the bullpen. They're, he came out of the game with an injury. Uh, it seemed way more legit than Peter Um yeah, Certainly, it was after the three batter minimum. So yes, <laughs> so it was much more, much more of a thing for Sandlin than than Fairbanks. Not uh, again, not casting aspersions on anybody, but um, it does seem as though Nick Sandlin will not be on the ALDS roster, uh, which makes way for you know adding Aaron Savale to the roster or. Um, bringing up Cody Morris and, and, and still having Savale there with a different move. You know, they didn't use Zach, please Zach. Maybe they want to have Aaron Savale start game four um, or however it works out. Um, My expectation for the team is that they will use Cal Quantrill um, on game one on Tuesday, uh, go with Shane Bieber on Thursday on regular rest uh, and Tristan on uh, for game three on Saturday. Um, that is my expectation. I don't see them going to the short rest and throwing Shane Bieber out there after uh, three days on Tuesday. Um, it's possible. I, I don't see it this early in the playoffs. Um, you know, ideally you would still have an ALCS with seven games in a world series to go. So, um, you know, like I said, that my, my expectation is, uh, Cal Bieber McKenzie, um, and then possibly Savale in that game four on Sunday, if needed, um, with, uh, Bieber coming back maybe on thir- on Monday on short rest. Um, yeah. What do you guys think? Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I've said my part as to what I think the rotation will be. Which one, uh, Ethan? What do you uh, What do you think? Am I Am I right or am I uh, crazy? Well, we're all crazy. We've discussed roster moves at nauseum on here, and we've been wrong. What are we immaculate? Are we one hundred percent? Are we just terribly wrong all the time? But I think it this... also. I would say I may be right, and I am still crazy. That also is entirely possible. That is true. Those could go hand in hand. But I, I am very much in lockstep with you on this one, where I do think it it will likely be Cal Quantrill, game one, who was lined up to start today, should the team have needed it. And keeping Bieber, who was notably a rhythm guy on his schedule and 
on his regular rest uh, to go into the series. I, I do think that the first time you should see a guy on short rest from the Guardians this season would be a potential game five in the ALDS, and I don't know any other better time to bring out Bieber. So I do think if this goes the distance that Cal, Bieber, Tristan, Savali, Bieber makes the most sense and probably gives you your best chance at winning. You know, um, it's so hard to even guess it. And it's the Yankees. You can't even sit here and say, hopefully they don't need it. No, if the Guardians are going to win the series, they're going to need all five games. That is something that I wholeheartedly believe. I can make the argument that no, but I mean, sure, you know, I, I it's it. If the offense gets hot, it. then absolutely, yes, I like Cleveland's pitching more right now. But, right, you know, in the playoffs, they always say you don't win on small ball; you win on the long ball. Cleveland just won a series on the long ball, but you're facing the ultimate in long ball hitting nonsense. And well, you I have will to go say, I have the um, second half numbers for the the Yankees up here on my screen. And if you go in the, um, if you look at their top 10 players by plate appearances in the second half, uh, starting at number 10, John Carlos Stanton, 68 WRC plus, then 77, 111, 58, 86, 122, 86, 91, 99, and then Aaron Judge with a 251 WRC plus. So <laughs> right now their lineup is basically Aaron Judge and then, you know, a couple of guys who are doing decently in, uh, you know, Anthony Rizzo and this Waldo Cabrera, the uh, middle infield prospect that they have. Uh, and then you just have kind of a bunch of guys who are failing to meet expectations. So, um, you know, this series really will come down to like, will the Guardians be able to handle Judge? Will Will Judge be able to drive in a bunch of runs against the Guardians pitching uh, and, you know, hit timely homers? Um, or will the Guardians be able to scratch enough across to basically you know outscore judge and you know that's it i mean you know i guess you know i i'm, I'm downplaying you know 99 wrc plus is not nothing and 91 you know these are all acceptable totals and 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 they're not nothing but really the 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 matchup that matters is this guardians pitching staff versus aaron judge and whoever gets the best of it i think has a really good shot at winning Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey, and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. Yeah, I agree. It's also um, the playoffs and you can't always take in season performances as law. You know, yeah, the Yankees were 35 and 35 in the second half, but it takes two guys to get hot alongside Aaron Judge to wreck a season for somebody else. So, you know, I want to say that because they're also getting Matt Carpenter back, who in a very limited sample size has an over 200 WRC plus for them. And they're just not going to be pushovers. They're the Yankees. It's the evil empire. Of course. And, uh, you know, yeah, we just saw Trent Grissom hit two home runs off of, you know, Scherzer and DeGrom. Anything can happen, of course. But, like, at the end of the day, like, if they judge, like, that bodes well. I think we can all agree, like, if judge goes off, they're going to have a much harder time winning. Right. If they handle judge, I mean, you've got a really good shot. Right. Yeah. And also, I mean... I'm not. I I shared the uh, the Matt Carpenter news today, and I will say this: you know how how good is he going to be straight off the IL after missing so much time? You know, he's only ever played. He's only played 47 games this year, and while it was an amazing 47 games, it still was 47 games, and it's been a couple months. Um, and he's 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 an older player. Um, you know, is he going to be that guy? Um, you know, and 
yeah, there's just a lot of there's a lot more question marks um, on their lineup, um, and especially, and and, and, I, and I I agree with both of you in that you know you want to you want to be hot heading into the postseason, but it also is the postseason, so it doesn't matter. So you know, and you know, it's uh, it's possible that that. Uh, you know, it, it could mean something that they were as good as they were, but it also could mean absolutely nothing. So, um, which is a great way in saying saying nothing while saying a lot of things that I've been trying to. Just it's becoming say. our motto. We don't know. Yeah, we have no idea. We know nothing. I know nothing. I am just call me John Snow because I know nothing. I wish I could say I drink and I know things, but at this rate, I just drink. That is one of my favorite lines from. I drink and I know things. It was actually one of my uh, fancy baseball names. I drink and I know things. So, years ago. Um, uh, you had, uh, I, Ethan made my, uh, made a rundown tonight. Uh, you had mentioned and wanted to, uh, are we, are we, are we laughing at this? The, uh, the, uh, a wall this, uh, a wall this Chapman? Are we laughing at this situation, or are we kind of worried about this right now? I don't know. He was supposed to be with the Yankees doing a team workout on Friday, I believe, and it's Sunday, so obviously a couple days, and he has uh, stayed in Miami and has not joined the team, and so he will not be making the playoff roster. Um, The word had come out somewhat recently that they were thinking of uh, designating for assignment uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, he has just fallen apart that bad. But um, yeah, just precipitous fall for Chapman. And, you know, uh, it, the personal stuff makes you kind of uh, laugh about it, I guess. Uh, be, be, you know, not excited about it, but, you know, he's had some instances that make it really hard to cheer for him. And, make you almost want to be excited when th- bad things happen to him, but uh, well, we don't wish anything. The, so we don't wish the, ill. We just, you know. Play stupid games, win stupid prizes sometimes. That's all I have to say, but I am actually not laughing at this from a baseball standpoint because he's actually been so terrible. He's kind of doing the Yankees a favor because it's one less terrible arm in their bullpen and just opens it up for the Yankees to throw whoever is even remotely around league average at the Guardians because Araldis has been hot garbage this year. He has pitched about 34 innings this year. He has a 4.46 ERA and a 4.57 FIP, a negative two FWAR. Yes, he still strikes a lot of guys out, but he's just Boston player destroying him. It, it feels like anything that is put in play is doing damage to him. He's also walked 18% of the batters he's faced this year. So his little hissy fit and say what you want about 2016, say what you want about the private life, all of it. He's kind of actually doing the Yankees a favor. Well, it wasn't a guarantee that he was going to make the roster anyway, as Grib said. True. He was close to getting DFA a couple weeks ago and oh, he's a free agent after the season. So, yeah, I mean, this really could be the end of the line for, you know, one of the great relief pitchers of this era. Um, Yeah, no one's going to shed a tear for him, as you guys have alluded to. Um, But, yeah, no, I mean, it's a guy who's given the Guardians a hard time in the past. And, you know, you were just saying you can't count on anything in the postseason. You know, maybe he's someone who would have given the Guardians a hard time again had he been playing. But... Now it's a guarantee he will not be. And, um, you know, I'm sure even if he's been ineffective, he can't be a, a comfortable at bat for for hitters, especially lefties. I'm sure Stephen Kwan is happy that he doesn't have to uh, stare down on a Roldis Chapman fastball coming out of a six foot five, you know, Cuban missiles ear. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's probably for the best um, all around that, you know, he's not in the in the game. Rather be talking about other things than a role as Chapman, for sure. So, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, that's all. Yeah, I, yeah. 
Uh, okay, so wrapping up, kind of, uh, we are obviously doing this because they uh, are doing this on a special day. We normally go on a Wednesday or a Thursday. Um, the team will be playing on a Thursday, um, so we will probably not have another episode until either this series is done. Uh, I'm just saying this now on air while I haven't even talked to these guys about it. Um, we are likely going to not be on until after this series is done or uh, maybe after game two, who knows? Um, game two will be after. Uh, yeah, it's my birthday. So I'm probably going to take that day off, but um, you know, we could maybe do it Friday night and see uh, where, where we're at on that. But um, once, uh, once the series is done, we'll definitely get back with you, whether it be at our regular slot on, or uh, an earlier episode uh, uh, remains to be seen. But um, if they continue winning, we'll still definitely come on and, and give you all these uh, little uh, surprise episodes. And maybe even we'll hang a, a intervention manner behind one of us and uh, go live as Ethan keeps uh, you know teasing out in our Discord. So. It'll happen one of these days. One of these days. When we win a World Series, we'll do just a whole live telecast. Straight from the parade. Right. If you want us to go live, tweet at Gerbs. You can. If, if, at WFNY Gerbs. Yeah. No, if you're or come harass us in the Discord. Yeah. If you're like, gosh, I want to interact with these guys live. Yeah. No, let, let us know. Yeah. Tell Gerbs. That's Close very true. Again. See it again, Gerbs. At WFNY Gerbs. G-E-R-B-S. Yeah. Bother him. The BS is really needed on that one. That's what my Twitter is, basically. Wow, who are you, Bill Simmons? Oh, no. No, I'm not Bill Simmons. I would love to be Bill Simmons. Uh, yeah. that was... In that you'd like to be a multimillionaire? Uh, Absolutely, that was where I was going. That was 100% yeah. where I was going. You know, owned by Spotify and, and worth quite a few million dollars. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to be yeah. Bill Simmons. He was who, my... Who... He was he was very much my uh, writing idol growing up, and now it seems as though he's my podcasting idol. Seeing as how that's mostly what I do now, yeah. I haven't gone I haven't gone full. My fingers don't work anymore, but we're we're definitely getting there. My fingers don't work anymore. That's for sure. Maybe someday they will again. <laughs> I, would, I would very much like to you know have the time to put in you know, several hours into an analytical piece about, you know, the slight differences between Nick Sandlin's first half and second half reliefs points right. like I did a few years ago. But maybe someday I'll have that time again. Right. We have that. We I, I have this internal struggle myself where I'm like, you know, it takes me like two or three, like maybe even three or four hours to write an article. And it takes people like 10 minutes to read it. You know, it's so like the 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 ROI doesn't feel enough on a on an article, uh, given what you put in. But then a podcast like takes an hour to do. I mean, obviously you're watching games and, and things like that and doing some research, maybe two. But then it takes an hour anyway. Yeah. But then it takes an hour to listen to, and so it's just like it puts it on the uh, the consumer. So I don't know. It's just weird stuff that rattles around in my brain. Yeah, on my no, this is undiagnosed there's a reason this, this medium is very popular amongst content creators. Yes, for sure. Yeah. So, all right. Anything else you guys want for tonight uh, to cover tonight before we head out? Nothing that I can say publicly. Yeah. <laughs> about the Yankees, anyhow. Okay. It's like, who are you? Who are you coming at right now? I don't. Have you been watching House of the Dragons while we've been recording? I don't. You're trying to tell spoilers out here? Don't tell me anything. I haven't watched okay. any. Um, no, I... Yeah, yeah. I don't know. This. Uh, how many times have you guys watched the, the Oscar Gonzalez home run highlight? What do you say if you had to ballpark oh. it? Uh, Which music overlay do you want? I've watched it with Squid <laughs> Victory. I've watched it with Titanic. I've watched it with Moneyball. I mean, it's just going to keep going until I find I one that just never gets all those count. I'd say I've probably watched it about 
35 times. I'd start, I was going to say like 35 times, I feel like. I, I, I watched I a while to try to see if I could see the bat flip because I couldn't see that for the longest time. And I'll then, I, and then someone, I oh, no, it. I found Oh, I found yeah. it. Don't you worry. Yes, that's the that one saved I've the... the most is just the close-up of OG doing the, the slow walk down first base and then throwing the bat away. That is the one that I have hands down watched the most of. The, I don't even care the, where that ball landed. The stare just down. the swagger from OG. Yeah. Oh, I didn't mention do you, the, do, you, do you prefer the hammy call or do you prefer the TV call? Always oh, the hammy call. Hammy, hammy by a mile. Yeah. You I have to go hammy call. Yeah. We wouldn't be fans. Right, 100%. Yeah, I don't know if I ever told you guys. This is I used to watch. My love affair with baseball came from my grandpa, who I was named after. So it was the the Joes watching baseball. We would we would watch the game on his giant tube TV uh, that had that was in like the giant box thing. But we would watch it on mute with the radio going for Hamilton, and the radio has that delay on it, or the TV has a delay. So we'd hear Hammy freaking out about something we weren't watching yet, and uh, yeah, that was that was my that was where baseball became real life for me. So yeah, it, it has to be Hammy. Completely fair. Yeah, I mean the the TV broadcast is kind of fun because it's you know you know the excitement isn't just because it's someone who's been watching the team all year like we have. It's like a legitimately like amazing moment. But yeah, right. it's just like feels like you're watching with like this uncle that has watched every baseball game with you and now you're sharing this moment with him which is pretty wonderful absolutely tom hamilton come on our podcast i'm please uh that'd be great Uh, you want to talk about like life things that we would want to be to have hammy on that'd be very high up there so yeah i I would have him record my uh tom hamilton recording my voicemail would be like one of the all-time great uh, things. Another weird random story. So I I have two Hamilton stories. We're getting real late, so I, you can tell I'm getting weird. One, I lived in Tulsa, Oklahoma for three years. When I moved down there, I had never lived anywhere for besides my parents' house. When I moved there, I remembered from a telecommunications course I took at YSU that AM radio waves travel further in the at night than they do during the day because there's just less uh traffic air like air traffic so i got homesick when i moved and i went driving and it was just it's just all corn it's just you're 100 corn out there and i turned it to 1100 and i heard hammy call a home run and i literally had to stop the car and cry because i was just like i was trying so hard to get it. And I finally got it and I was crying. Secondly, my dad sent uh, a letter to Tom Hamilton uh, on, and got me a signed copy of his book um, that he wrote with uh, Terry Pluto uh, for my wedding day. So that was my, that was my wedding day present for my dad. So, wow. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah. I mean, it's crazy. I think we all have Tom Hamilton stories. I remember uh, in 2013, the fall, um, I had my car. That was my only quarter having my car on campus. And I remember listening to uh, Tom Hamilton called Jason Giambi's walk-off home run to, uh, mm. you know, against the White Sox. That was, you know, the biggest home run of the year. And I, I was like in my car waiting to go into my dorm, but I couldn't leave my car. So I, you know, I didn't want to miss what would happen in the game. And so I just have this very strong memory of Tom Hamilton giving me chills um, in Chicago, it was, it was really wonderful. I think we all have great Tom Hamilton stories but for sure. Yeah, no, I mean, that's what this is all about, right? We've been here, we've been through the highs, we've been through the lows and, and this is like, uh, I was talking to my dad on the phone the other day and he was born in 1962. So he's seen not, you know, great baseball his entire life. And he said, this was the team he's been waiting his whole life for. And that was kind of a sweet, sad moment. Uh, for a 60 year old man to say um and uh yeah no i i you know this is a very special team and let's uh let's not take this for granted absolutely absolutely that's a that's a nice sentiment to end on so all right for mitch for ethan for oscar gonzalez uh hitting home runs and walking off to spongebob uh that'll be it for us tonight uh we, like i said we will see you uh 
later on this week. All right. Thank Cleveland. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not. It's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily.